Welcome to another edition of Nebraska Gems. I'm Mike Melby. On today's episode, I am joined by a man who has been inducted into five different racing halls of fame. The Knoxville Raceway Hall of Fame in 1999, the Nebraska Racing Hall of Fame, and the Belleville Highbanks Hall of Fame, both in 2005. The Big Car Racing Association Hall of Fame in 2008, the Beatrice Speedway Hall of Fame in 2013. Two times in his racing career, he won three different track or series championships in the same year. That was in 1970 and 1972. He won 14 track or racing series championships and has countless feature wins behind the wheel of a sprint car. They call him the Black Bandit. My guest today on Nebraska Gems is Lonnie Jensen. Lonnie, thank you very much for joining me. Appreciate it. So kind of want to go back to prior to you racing. Uh, you were born in Salt Lake City, correct? Right. Okay, so at that time, what was your dad doing for a living? And then how did you ultimately wind up moving to North Platte? Well, he was a poster by trade post did a lot of custom auto you know and custom roll and pleat in the cars and and, and uh, I think we were there for about a year Salt Lake City and then we moved to Hooker Oklahoma and uh, from there we moved to Canyon City Colorado and then to North Platte Nebraska and that was where we spent our wonder years growing up in, in uh, North Platte so what age was, were you when you were in North Platte Probably between seven and, and high school age. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, we, we, we touched on this a couple of minutes ago before we started recording. What kind of a kid were you? Oh, boy. I, <laughs> with my grandson, I hate to say that <laughs> I was pretty crazy. I got to hear a fun story. Well, one of them is that we, had a, we lived in the country. So we had a, a pretty good-sized chicken house, and when we'd been to the airport and watched them jump out of an airplane, I thought, you know, I could do that. So I found my mom's uh, umbrella, and of course I didn't think to tie the straps down to the handle, and I got up on top of the chicken house <laughs> and jumped off the chicken house. Needless to say, the the parachute went left inside and you know it blew inside out and i about broke both my legs i couldn't uh i didn't want to say anything because i'd kind of stole the umbrella to time out of her closet but that was just one little deal we used to have a little soapbox derby deal we made soapbox derbies and we'd stack these bricks and bottles and tin cans as high as you can get and we'd roll down the hill. We were in the country. And if you turned out, you were a chicken, of course. Well, we'd put this old army helmet on, and, and I, you know, it didn't turn out. I couldn't be a chicken. So I'd hit that. Of course, it'd fall all over you and about half break your shoulders. And that's just one other little deal. And then uh, I tried to build a gun one time. My dad caught me before I killed myself. It was a 22, and a little 22 shell would go in the barrel, and I built a wood part, but nothing behind it. And of course, the bullet would have come out backwards when it hit, and I'm just glad he found it. Oh, exactly. That's a little those, scary. Those are a few deal deals, and that's so. Trouble. So there was a little bit of crazy in a young Lonnie Jensen. Yeah, there is. And uh, I, I've always said it pays to be a little crazy if you're going to be a race car driver. <laughs> this is a true statement. How old were you when you first got introduced to racing? Was it the soapbox derby cars? And then what was it that made you want to get involved in the sport and eventually get behind the wheel? 
Well, in North Platte, they had uh, what they call stock car races. Don Ostendorf, and I don't know if you heard that name, he's in the Nebraska Auto uh, Racing Hall of Fame, but I used to watch him and the other guys at, uh, at the Lincoln Speedway in North Platte. We didn't get to go very often, probably three or four times in the whole time I was there, but I was fascinated with it. And I just thought, well, I'd be something I'd love to do, but never dreamed I would. And ultimately so, you did. Ultimately I did. I got into motorcycle racing. And we raced, uh, this was after I graduated from high school. And we raced flat track in, in Sunset Speedway in Omaha. And I just loved it. It was great. I had an order in for a brand new matchless for the next year. Somebody said there was an old stock car for sale, which wasn't a stock car. There was super modified. It's what they ran at Capitol Beach. So I bought it instead. I think I paid $350 for it, my first race car. <laughs> And that's kind of how I got into the, I left the motorcycles and got into the stock car, oh. into the sprint car racing later as they evolved to sprint car racing. Eventually, yeah, I'm glad you did too. Um, so what year was it then that you jumped into your own essentially early version of a sprint car out at, I believe, Capitol Beach was Capital the first Beach. time that you raced right. in a sprint? I'd say probably 1961 or two, because I think we graduated in 1960 and it was a year or so later. Okay. And uh, we got into, I bought that car, and we raced, raced for well, several times at, uh, in California also, but that was a little different. That's another story. Well, now, a piece of paper I'm going to give you when we're done was written yeah. by Bob Mays, and it was uh, basically your biography on, uh, for, for when you were elected into the High Banks Hall of Fame down in Belleville. Right. And in it, he mentions that in your first time in a car at Capitol Beach, you won the B feature. Well, that was at Beatrice. Okay, so he, he the he facts had, always he, are a little... Right, yeah. That so, was my first time in a race car. And that was the old $350 car. I had a Buick motor in it with three deuces. <laughs> and uh, uh, for some reason, we won the B feature. I don't know how it happened, but we did. And I thought, oh, boy, this is great. This is something I remember. But from then on, it was a little bit downhill. Seemed like we'd either run pretty good or we'd pick the car up in pieces and kind of pile it on the trailer because we crashed a lot. Those are rough nights. Yeah, they are. Were. The, do you remember night number one in the sprint car, the, the modified? What was in your mind that very first time you strapped in and as you were going out of the pits and then when the green flew, do you remember what your train of thought was at that time? Oh, not really. I never was afraid of it. I was more anxious and fearful of failure than anything. I wanted to run good. And, uh, you know, like I said, being a little crazy, I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of getting hurt. It was more just, you know, I've got to, I've got to do this good. Well, and the funny thing is, just me being now an old guy and understanding things a little bit better, if I'm talking to young guys that want to jump into a car and they tell me that they're afraid, not afraid of getting hurt, but afraid of not doing well, mm -hmm. that's a guy I want driving a car. Right, right. How long, when you were racing in, in the sprint, was it before you went, <laughs> I'm pretty good at this. Um, maybe I ought to shop around and see if I can't find somebody to help me out. Well, it took a while. <laughs> But I got in with some pretty good people. Keith Barker and I teamed up in probably 63 or 64, and we put together a pretty good car, and we took it out to California, and we raced at Ascot Park, Western Speedway, and there was a number of other places, and I don't even remember the names of them anymore. 
But uh, I think we ran a World's Open competition, and I believe Jimmy Wood won that one. We didn't because we broke something, as usual. <laughs> but uh, that was my first uh, deal when we were starting with uh, what they call the hoodoos. When you first started uh, driving around the local area or nationally, who did you look up to that was a driver, whether they had success or not? Maybe it was just the way they treated you in the pits or whatever. Was there someone you looked up to in a driving style you tried to emulate? Well, not really, but one one guy that I always that I always uh, looked up to was old Lloyd Beckman, and that was because I watched him before I even knew I was ever going to drive a race car, and I watched him at Capitol Beach, and I, one year he won like 14 straight features, and I thought, you know, that's he's a racer, and he was. He was one of the best short track racers there ever was. Do you remember your first win, there a was feature? That. Oh, boy, I don't remember the first A-feature win. I really don't. It was probably sometime in the mid-60s because I had some pretty good rides. You know, I picked up the Brock and Prelip. It was the IMCA, which at that time was different than the IMCA is today. It was one of the premier racing groups. There was IMCA and there was USAC. But we ran... Oh, boy, all over the country. I remember we run up in Wausau, Wisconsin, La Crosse, and, and uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. And I remember uh, we broke something at Terre Haute and couldn't run the A feature. And I remember watching Jerry Reichert. The track turned dry, and he run three and a half inches off the wall and was probably a half a lap ahead of the whole field. Gordon Woolley was running second and some of the other guys that ran IMCA that year. But I never forgot that. That was the most beautiful race I think I'd ever seen. That's fantastic. So who was your first car owner that you drove for where literally it wasn't your money in it and somebody said, Lonnie, I need you to drive this car. And then on top of that, who was the best car owner? I think I know the answer, but who was the best car owner you drove for? Well, in the 60s, you know, I drove for quite a few different guys. Bob Trossel was one of them, just a few times. And Bill Moyer, Frank Brenforder. I drove for Ed Smith. Wow. And in 1967, I drove for Ed. And the best car owner I've ever had was uh, Larry Swanson. Of course, that was years later in the, when we I hooked up with him in 1970. I'm going to refrain from asking you to throw any uh, car owners under the bus because that's just not nice. And I know you're no, too nice I, I guy. couldn't. I couldn't anyway because I, you know, they all were good. They're really. Yeah. And there was some of them that I, I have to tell this little story. I drove uh, Bob Goodrich's, the Bella Belleville. It was Pop Goodrich, but Bob was, was brought to car to Lincoln. And, and I'd won a little bit. And, you know, I was up and coming, and I was standing on the gas, and he knew that. So he let me drive the car at uh, Midwest Speedway. I started last in the heat race, and I passed everybody on the outside, but I got into the corner a little too deep, and I hit the wall and flipped the car about four times. He come running out on the track, and he said, whoever told you you're a race car driver, you're never going to live long enough to be a race car driver. <laughs> How many more races did you race for him? Oh, I raced for them quite a bit okay. after that, a little bit at Belleville. In fact, we won some races at Belleville with them. So, so you've mentioned you, you traveled around a lot, and I'm going to jump ahead uh, to some questions I had for possibly later, but you raced all over the country. How yeah. far north, south, east, and west did you go? 
Well, we like I said, we raced at Ascot Park. That was in California. And Albuquerque, Phoenix, uh, Manzanita, uh, Dallas, Texas, of course, up in Wisconsin, and all of the Midwest tracks, Topeka, Kansas City, 81 Speedway. Uh, and we run, when we run IMCA, we were in Indiana and uh and then years later, we I ran in uh, Florida, the Winter Nationals, and uh, Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, Savannah, Georgia, and Orlando. Some of the other tracks in between. I can't think of all of them. But who who drove the truck to get there? Well, most of the cars that I was driving at that time were somebody else's. And so I, I had no idea. I know I'd, in Florida, I drove the car that Bobby Black had driven. Uh, and he was one of the big time races. The car had a Ford motor in it, but it blew up the first time I tried it. And uh, I believe that was in Jacksonville. And they put it back together. And we ran uh, Savannah, Georgia. And something happened there, too. Something went bad. I don't know what it was. So, But anyway, that was sort of the luck of the deal so how did you get to all the tracks then did you ride it driving your own oh, i car? drove i drove my own car okay yeah um did, i'm assuming you rode along in the truck at times oh yeah yeah there in fact there's many times that i'd pick, pick a ride with somebody and and uh rode with a fuel truck guy that when we went to savannah and uh he was an old man and i remember he'd drive about three and a half inches off the side of the road and i was just scared to death the whole time we came back back to orlando you're doing 140 around a yeah. track an inch from the wall and you're fine <laughs> this guy's scaring you that's awesome yeah, well. um so there's got to be a good road story like did did it oh did, there is I, I i heard a rumor you may or may not have been left somewhere we were coming back from Knoxville. This is this crazy deal, really. You'll love this. <laughs> I was sleeping in the back of my camper. It was my rig, and I don't know who all was with me. Maybe Gail Merkel and Ron Moore. He helped me a lot. But anyway, we stopped at a filling station. They stopped to gas up, and I'd been sleeping in the back. And so I got out. I need to go to the user bathroom, and I went in the bathroom. I came out. The whole rig's gone whole rig's gone. There I am in my bedroom slippers, and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I had the guy at the filling station say, well, call the sheriff. And so they came out, and I thought maybe they'd let me ride with him, and we'd catch the guys. But he wouldn't. He says, no, that's against our policy. And I told him what the rig looked like, and I said, I hope they're speeding, and if they are, <laughs> stop them and give them a ticket. 50 miles down the road, they caught up with them, and they had to turn around, come back, pick me up. Of course, I was not too happy about it, but it was an honest mistake. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it would have been nice had you been able to pull out your flip phone. Um, yeah, we had no cell phones yeah, in those no days. Yeah, there's no cell phones. There's no <laughs> right? uh, smoke yeah. signals or something. I mean, yeah, yeah. Of course, okay, any, any other fun stories from the road? Oh, not really, I guess. There's always, you know, good some funny deals, but I. Out of all of the tracks you raced at, coast to coast, uh, border to border, is there a favorite that every time you pulled in, you're like, <laughs> I love this place? Well, not really. I, now, we did race it uh, when I was racing with Swanson. We raced at North Star in, in Minneapolis, and we won every feature that we ever raced there. And so, you know, when you, when you, when you win them all, that you, it's kind of a 
but I remember being rough and, and rocky, and we had to put a screen over the over the uh, window and, or the windshield, and also on the shocks, you had to put rubber things or it to knock the shocks off. But Jerry Reichert was running there, and there was a lot of good name racers. But uh, that I wouldn't say that would be my favorite. I suppose Eagle probably. I'd have to, you know, maybe Midwest. I didn't really have a favorite. Just was there one you just whether it was from bad luck or not great finishes or just it didn't fit your style, was there a track you were like, uh, whatever, do we have to go? Not really. Knoxville was rough in its early days, as you know. You know, they, they lost a lot of people in Knoxville yeah. over the years. And I always had a lot of uh, uh, respect for Knoxville. I wasn't really afraid of it. It was just that it's, it was a track that I knew, don't make a mistake. Was so. was there a track, or is there one going today that you either could not race at at the time or never got a chance to if it was running, or one that you see today that you wish you could have driven if it would have been around? Not really. I can't think of any other than, you know, I wouldn't, I'd kind of like to went back to Pennsylvania when we were in our heyday, but we never did. That's, but we, we raced everywhere else. That's where I was actually going to kind of focus on Williams Grove and uh, Lernerville, right, Port Royal. Right, Just some of the incredible tracks back there. Yeah. You, you hook up with Larry Swanson. You guys have a pretty impressive car. And I'm going to throw a random date out that means absolutely nothing to no one in this room. I'm kidding. May 30th, mm -hmm. 1970. Mm -hmm. For a refresher for those who do not know. On May 30th, 1970, Lonnie Jensen raced at the Belleville High Banks in the afternoon and won the feature. And then he loaded his car up and he drove to Beatrice Speedway and won the feature that night. So it's a 70-mile drive between the racetracks, and you win both features. I don't think there are many people, uh, if anybody else, that has won two features in the same day at two different tracks that are more than an hour apart. But at the same time, I'm more fascinated with what was that day like for you? Where did you initial, initiate your pull from? Were you living in Lincoln at the time and then pulled yeah. down to Belleville? Yeah, I was living in Lincoln. And uh, we'd struggled a bit the earlier part of the year. And uh, we made some changes on the car. And when we went to Belleville, we'd made the changes and kind of set it up. I'd always liked to run in a race car with a little less stagger than a lot of people did and make it tight so it pushed a bit. It seemed to be faster that way, and we changed it. And, boy, it was fast. We won the feature there and went to Beatrice. And needless to say, I'm sure they broke all the speed limits getting to Beatrice. Well, I was going to say. But, <laughs> but, uh, That's a we bit won of a there. pull. Yeah, it, it really is. It really so is. So what time did the races end at Belleville? I don't remember, but they were in the afternoon, probably 4 or 5 o'clock. So we had, they, it had, had to, to be a – yeah, you had to hustle. It really did. So in 1972 – on the track, it wasn't necessarily a bad year for you. By my calculations, anywhere and everywhere on the World Wide Web that I can find, you did not finish a feature worse than third in 1972. You won uh, the track title at Eagle, Knoxville, and you won the Big Car Racing Association Series Championship. My question I have for you on that year is a simple one. Why were you that good? I think that I had a good team. And I can't take credit for, I've always said that if a race car is set up right and it's fast, it's easy to win. If they're set up wrong, 
or if they're if you've got to wrestle them you can run 10th and run harder than if you win when the car is right and my car was right they had it right oh, 90 percent of the time so let's jump to the biggest race uh it, it still is this year and next year and forever and it has been since it started the knoxville nationals 1972 the stories i could find is you were closing in on yeah. on kenny weld and yeah. a late race caution happened and then you stumbled on the restart yeah so what walk me through from where did you start in that race walk me through green flag to checker if you would please i can't remember where we started but i know kenny weld was leading it and we were gaining on him and they had the restart and i really didn't stumble right at the restart what happened is i was we didn't have many laps left billy schumann was running right behind me i didn't know that at the time but uh, he's from Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, I was trying so hard that I got over, I was running the cushion, and I literally jumped the cushion a bit, and Billy Schumann went underneath me, and we ended up third, but oh, that broke my heart. I wanted to win that so bad. You win the Nationals, and you've won the Indianapolis 500, a sprint car race, and, yeah. and that was one time I could have did it, and I made a mistake, but it's done. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I always wonder because I'd read the story before. I just I was always kind of curious, and, and yeah. I mean, I've known you for many, many years. I just never asked you about it. You said something a moment ago that I, I've been around racing. I asked you where you got your start. You're a big part of where I got my start. Um, I'm going to mention a name to you who was the guy that introduced me to sprint car racing. I lived in Dallas at the time, mm -hmm. and a guy that my dad worked with took me to Devil's Bowl in Mesquite, Texas. And this is back in 1974. His okay. name is Dick Bloom. Okay. Do you remember Dick from Race? I remember. I remember Dick Bloom, okay. yes. Dick raced up here. He had moved down to Texas and gone to work for a company called Data Documents. My dad actually wound up working with him. That got me introduced to it. I see. I was fascinated. Yeah. And so I found my way out once we moved back to Nebraska, to Midwest Speedway. And I, the, the very first night that we went out there, we got to go into the pits. Uh, and the guy they called the Black Bandit won the feature, and you gave me 10 minutes of your time. I'm sure you remember it like I do, or not at all, because you only have 5 million people that come up to you after races, but the, the fact that you took time to talk to me, at, at I think I was like 10 years old at the time, Oh yeah. Um, and so I, I have Dick, who had raced, and he, he had been injured uh, and, and burned pretty bad in, yeah. in a wreck at Devil's Bowl. Right, I uh, remember that. The year or two before yeah. we went, and he, he had just had uh, his second child, and he's like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah. But um, so, so that's where like, my start came from, and I have heard either you tell the story or somebody else with, who I've been around racing. You mentioned it's easy to win when you don't have to work very hard and the car is set up so perfectly, and that's where the driver looks great, but it really wasn't him. Right. Let me ask you, how many times did you and the crew chief butt heads and would you drive the car harder to prove your point that you were right to finish better and or win and then go back in the pits after you did and say, well, you were right. I just drove the wheels off because I couldn't let you be right. <laughs> I'm sure there was a number of times, you know, you, a, a person, you know, we're all human. We make mistakes. And even the best make mistakes. Larry Swanson to make a mistake. The guys that were were his uh, crew crew chief, they might make a mistake. But one thing about Larry, I'd have to give him credit for, is no matter where we finished, I'd come in, and of course I would be all upset, and he'd say, "Don't worry about it. We'll get him next time." 
and I loved that attitude. You know, he wasn't one to push you. You know, he just he was just a good owner. Too bad he's gone now. But. It is. 74 comes around. You win, uh, I think, Eagle in Knoxville or one of the two mm-hmm. uh, track titles. And your daughter, Bonnie, was born in 1973. Right. And then there was not a whole lot of, of you on the track for the next four or five years. Where did you and your family go? We went to North Dakota farming. I always wanted to farm, and I had a chance to go help a guy with a – he bought a farm, and I got involved with that. And uh, so we went farming for about two years. And then I came back because my wife at the time was uh, – stashing money away because she hated it so bad that she was going to run away so that was that was tyke's mom <laughs> so we came back to nebraska and uh, i drove a few cars in between you know i think i drove speedway's car at fairmont and uh, i believe i drove hank albert's car he was a driver but he they were having a big race and i drove his car in minot at minot I don't remember how we did. I don't remember. What did you farm up in North Dakota? Wheat and uh, mostly wheat farm. Big farm. It was a big farm. In 1981, a brand new sprint car class is created. Uh, we know it today as the 360s. Right. Back then, they called it the modified. It was the, the a modified sprint car. Right. You ultimately win the very first ever 360 feature uh, run in the class anywhere in the country, I believe, at Midwest mm-hmm. Speedway. Right. And you win the 81, 84, and 85 Modified Sprint National Championships. What drew you to the class? Because you obviously came with a lot of clout because you had a lot of trophies on the mantle. But why did you say, you know what? Yeah, I want to give this a shot. Well, the main thing is I had done everything that I ever dreamed and wanted to do in racing. And I saw an opportunity to do it and have fun. And to me, the 360 class all the way through was fun. A lot of camaraderie. Just uh, I never took it real serious. Although when I drove Paul Funt's car, I was paid. Racers were paid back in the early days. They all were paid. And uh, when somebody pays you, you do what they pay you to do. And so I, I tried harder with him. But when I was running my own car, it was, it was more just fun. You know, I just enjoyed it. I heard the first 360 that you built was an old Hank Henry. I had never heard the term. Is, is that an old chassis? Yeah, it's a, Hank Henry was a guy in California that built race cars. And for some reason, this one ended up in, uh, oh, I think it was Ray Lipsy's father-in-law's salvage place out in, uh, in maybe it was Cheney or something. I don't remember the town, little town outside of down Highway 2. And I bought it for... No, I didn't buy it. I traded the truck that I had to moved my stuff to North Dakota in. I traded it for that chassis, and and uh, we put it all together, and, and uh, a couple of guys helped me, and uh, I can't remember names anymore. Well, you had some so, success with it, that's for sure. You won, you, you won that. Well, that it, really, it, really, so. it really wasn't that great of a car, but it, it did win. we did win the, a few races with it, so Ray Lipsy bought it from me the next year and then i got involved with craig bolts him and i got a car steve stapp car out of uh florida and we raced that i raced for uh craig craig bolts for quite a while in the intro um i said they call him the black bandit where did the nickname come from 
I always had a black car. Always had a black car. Unless I was driving for somebody else, and then I went with the color they had. And Swanson didn't have black cars, but that name stuck a bit. From the standpoint of numbers, obviously the car owner is going to say, I want to run the 3X, I want to run a 14. Mm -hmm. But when it's Lonnie Jensen's car, it was always number seven. Why? Lucky seven, okay. I guess. Pretty simple. <laughs> Pretty simple. Okay, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Who were it's, your rivals? I mean, we know from a standpoint of, of uh, you know, who guys, which guys were winning, obviously your rivals, but you're also friends. But who, who did you have friendly rivalries with? And who did you really enjoy racing with? And who were some guys that kind of maybe got under your skin every once in a while? Well, Lloyd Beckman, probably he came out of retirement. You know, he drove Swanson's car in 68, 69, and then I took it over for three years. But he came back out and out of retirement, and him and I used to go at it. And, and I'll tell you, I, I'd come in frustrated because that old man had beat me <laughs> until I found out what he was doing. He put a big old jaloni on the right rear, and that just made a world of difference. When we finally figured it out, and it took us a few weeks, we put that big tire on, and then we could beat him again. But he was probably my biggest friendly revival. A lot of respect for Lloyd Beckman. But, uh, but it, <laughs> it, it was frustrating, you know. To... Yeah, the, the one thing, you are one of the most so soft-spoken, easygoing guys that's probably ever been behind the wheel of a sprint car. And I can tell just by the stories as you're telling them, you drove with a fire and a passion that no one would believe you had. I can, I can just tell by the, yeah, the well, look on your face or the tone in your voice. What happened in the pits? Anytime, any track, any place. Where, where was it? Do you have some dust-ups in the pits? Oh, hey, yeah. I got to tell you. Got to tell you this one. Okay. This is back in the, yeah, probably in the early 70s. Eddie Levitt and I got to banging wheels out on the back. I don't know where we were at. Maybe Met America or Kansas City. I don't know. One of those uh, in Kansas. Uh, could have been Topeka even. But we got to banging wheels a little bit, and I followed him into his pits. And, boy, we both were about the same size. We got out of our cars, and, I mean, we were fist fighting and rolling around on the ground until officials come over and broke us up. Neither one of us was winning. You know, we were just going at it. <laughs> And that, they used to do that a little more back in them early days, you know. That, yeah. was, that was the way. We didn't have no power steering either in those days or wings. Yep. So. There was one <laughs> fight that I know of that happened actually on the track. It happened at Eagle, and it cost you the 1997 Eagle Track Championship. Terry Holloman and you okay. had, um, on occasion, you were driving the 57 for the Bowen oh, family, okay. the Life right. 57. Yep, right. And you and Bruce Divis were in a points battle. Right. And um, I believe it was a heat race, and Terry Holloman and his right rear decided to give your left front a little kiss. Yeah. And uh, a young man who's not as young anymore, but he's a, a guy that races still to this day, 305s and 360s mm -hmm. and whatever he can jump in. He's also your former son-in-law. Uh, oh, Toby yeah. Chapman was Toby. working on your car. Yeah. And so after the red flag, uh, there was a little altercation, and it was Toby who actually was the one that, uh, kind of threw the punch, but then both cars were disqualified and you guys lost all your points. Right. You yep. lost by 12 points in the point chase with Bruce and right. you lost your 25 points for signing in at the front gate. If right. they were just giving you that. 
I, and, I argued on your behalf, but they wouldn't listen to me. And that cost us. It really, that was kind of a crazy deal that, you know, it's done. It was just, Again, it's nothing you can you, do, but at the time. You know, you, it, racing is a high, you know, it's emotional. High strung. Uh, high yeah. strung, and you get kind of, you know, you get a little... A little hot-headed, I did anyway, a time or two, and even at your car owners. I remember, I have to tell this little story. Okay. 1967, I was driving for Ed Smith, the 44 car, and we were leading the points, and I hadn't won a track championship before that. Larry Upton was driving my car. If you'll check the records, you'll see that Larry Upton was the point champion that year. Well, the points went with the car. I drove Ed Smith's car all year. There was a couple races left. Larry was driving my car, and he beat me in a trophy dash, and Ed Smith and I got into it because he beat me, and he fired me, and Larry Upton became the point champion that year, and I ended up like 10th or something. That's where he was running with my car. Wasn't right. Wasn't fair. So they changed it. They changed that whole system then and made it in the car, the, or the points went with the driver and uh, not the car owner. And since then, you know, Ed, I drove Ed Smith's car in 1973. We won the track championship in 73. And Ed was a, a wonderful racer or owner. I really enjoyed him and the two boys, Skip and Eddie. But, uh, but that, that was a, kind of a funny little deal it is <laughs> See, I, I i think your son and i know a little bit about having some arguments with car owners oh yeah um so i want to i want to ask you something about knoxville okay you ran the 360 class over there on and off throughout the mid 80s and in 1984 you had five wins but on yeah. knoxville's history page you're not listed in the points. Did you have to sign up for the point fund or be a regular weekly contributor? Or? You know, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm guessing you might have had to sign up for a point fund. I don't know. I really don't. I, I, I just found it interesting that no one that was in the points listed had more yeah. than two feature wins, and you had five, and you weren't listed in the yeah. top ten. Point. Anyway, so I was just kind of curious if you yeah. knew why. That no, was I, I really don't know. That's, that's yeah, strange. No matter what car you drove... Uh, and you've mentioned this a couple of times already. Um, you drove on the cushion. You were right next to the wall. Well, what was it that initially made you think, I need to go up there to be fast? And after that, would you give us a little bit of insight into how or what you need to do to the car to set it up to run up against the wall versus down up against the berm and the tires on the infield? Right. Well, usually if you're running on the wall, if it's a dry, slick track, you have to have a little moisture there. And I never forgot watching Jerry Reichert win that race at, at Terre Haute, Indiana. And uh, if the track is faster up there, it might take you three or four laps to kind of work it in. But you better run where it's fast, no matter what it is. Now, Belleville, Kansas, we had to run inches off the wall. And if you got off that wall, you, you'd go backwards. And we won a lot of main events at Belleville, Kansas. And, uh, and I think it was just because, you know, I knew where to race it, knew where to run it. Some guys didn't. But I love dry slick tracks because it just, I don't know, it was just easier to race on them, I thought. Okay, so you'd mentioned the, the different tire size Lloyd Beckman was running, and yeah. I had heard a rumor about traction control 
and mm. they called it poor man's traction control and they said that it was invented by the black bandit and on a dry <laughs> slick track he would simply pull a plug wire is that true yeah that's true but another trick was retarding the mag and if that didn't do it you know, I'd retard the mag a bit. I knew it was going to get get dry, but if they had a say a red flag, the guys come down, couldn't work on the car, but it didn't take nothing. Pulled plug wire off. Nobody'd even catch that. Anything to kill horsepower. Yeah. And I've always said, Grandma could drive that car on a dry slick track because she'd go slow. The slower you went, the faster you went. But most of the guys didn't realize that. You know, they bonsai into the corner and spin out. <laughs> Yeah, or so, smoke the right rear and first, yes. see the smoke coming yep, off. And, yep. Uh, did you ever have any superstitions or good luck charms? Not really. I guess at one time guys were eating peanuts and I crashed. And so after that, I, w I didn't like them eating peanuts around the car. But I didn't really have any big superstitions, I guess. Now, you stopped racing full-time in 1999. You jumped in and ran a few shows here and there, I believe, for uh, Drod Sr., uh, right. in the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, then in 2003, uh, your son Tyke starts racing weekly at Eagle and at other shows around the Midwest. How was that for you, knowing everything about it, all the dangers, all the glory oh, boy. that come with it? What was it like the first year that, that Tyke was racing? It was terrifying for me to have to watch. You know, you care a lot for your kids. You don't want anything to happen to them. And I'd gone through some horrible, horrible times in sprint car racing, watching their very few weeks in the national speed sport news you wouldn't read, and they come out every week. You wouldn't read of somebody getting maimed or killed in a sprint car around the, the United States. Yep. It's not good. And when your son's doing something that's dangerous, you, it, 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 was, it worried me. Uh, what was your worst wreck that you ever had? Oh, you know, I've had three or four of them. I broke my arm twice, and I got my wrist crushed once. It took them like six hours to put it back together. They said I would never use it again, but but uh, it I, it was fine. It's fine today. Um, but, uh, did you ever? I don't want to say wreck anyone on pur purpose because I don't think that was that's not your style. I know it really isn't. But did you ever help someone face the other direction on the track? Oh, probably. Don't remember. I don't remember. But you know, things happen. Racing is racing. Yep. I remember leading the feature one night at Eagle. I think it was in the Burger King car, and somebody got inside me, got a wheel in me. That was one of my worst wrecks. I mean, the car, we flipped oh, a whole God. bunch of times and ripped the fuel tank off. Fuel was everywhere, and my seat belts had come loose a bit, and I was coming out of the car ways. It was, I have a video of it someplace, but don't know where it is. I actually remember but, the wreck. I was there. Do you? Yeah. Oh, that, that could have been bad, as all that would have taken is a spark, and all yep. that fuel would have been... Uh, but when you're racing, if you race sprint cars, it's not if you're going to crash. It's just when. <laughs> if you could give advice to somebody who is in their, say they're in their mid-teens to late 30s, they've yeah. always wanted to jump in a car. They now have the means to. They want to get in a sprint car. What advice would you give them? Well, they better have a rich daddy, for one thing, <laughs> because that's what it takes nowadays. It really, it really does. Now, I, I appreciate the 305 class because they've tried to, to curb the cost, and that's what we tried to do with the 360s when it initiated in 1981. But any time you're racing something, doesn't matter if it's lawnmowers, the money's going to take over. Next thing you know, it's going to be, it's going to cost. That's just racing. What was your most memorable win? I don't know. We had a few... Uh, 
you know, we did win the, the third mile nationals, remember, with uh, Jan Opperman drove better than all of us. He passed us, but he was a lap down, and I knew it. And we, that, was, that was a big win. Yeah. We had another one at Topeka in Ed Smith's car in 1973. It was a 50-lap, and I don't know what track it was, but all the big guns were there, and it was a big pair. And Dick Sutcliffe was leading the feature, and I believe it was like the last lap or next to last. He slipped up just a little bit, and I got underneath him, and we won that one. And that was, that was, uh, that was kind of a big deal. He came over to the car to congratulate me, and I said, what happened, Dick? He said, I just got so tired I couldn't hang on to the car anymore. And he's this big, strong-arm guy, you know. But uh, we had no power steering, like I said before. And it was, you wrestled the cars. You had to drive them. You put the wings on them, and, and that's a whole different ball game. You came up with some of the craziest wing designs. Where did they come from? Who put the wings together? And did any of them really ever give you an advantage? No, I don't think they ever did. I think it was a psychological advantage. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any regrets at all from your racing career? No, other than the Nationals that I wished I could have won. (laughs) All righty. Well, I want to wrap it up with some some, uh, quick rapid-fire questions. What is your favorite car color for a race car? Black. That's what I thought. <laughs> Did you have a go-to pre-race meal? No. No. Okay. What's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Butterbreckle. Nice. What vehicle did you learn to drive in? 39 Ford Coupe. That's a that nice was, car. Yeah, well, it'd be worth a lot of money today. Back in them days, we chopped the fenders off of it the day we brought it home. <laughs> Give $37.50 for it. And we'd take it out on our half acre, and we'd put, build little ramps, and we'd get like we were thrill show drivers, <laughs> me and my brother. We were just little kids, you know, probably 12, 10, 12, something like that. My dad let me take the farm truck, go after grain for the, for the sheep, and their hay, and I'd get out in the field, and I'd spin around and around. I didn't realize he could see the top of the van through, over the cornfield, <laughs> so, so I'd get back and get a good licking for it. <laughs> but it was probably worth it. Oh, it was great. <laughs> what is your dream car? If you could have a car to drive on the street, what would it be? I don't have any. I hate all cars because every nice car I ever had got banged up, and I finally just gave up. <laughs> what was your first job when you were a young kid? Drywalling. And that's kind of what you did throughout most of the time that you were racing as well, right? Right, until I got into, well, after racing, I got into the rental business and bought bought houses. Who's your favorite band, style of music, or singer? (laughs) Oh, old-time country, Ray Price, Kitty Wells, some of the oldies, crying in your beer. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite holiday? I'd say the 4th of July. Always love the 4th of July. I'm going to end it with that one because the last one you already told me a little while ago, I was going to ask you what your favorite type of track was to race on, and I already I knew it was dry slick, but you already said it. Lonnie Jensen, thank you so much for being a guest here on Nebraska Gems. Greatly, greatly appreciate the time. No, you're sure welcome, and thank you.